This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. BFM 89.9, this is The Breakfast Grill. I'm Keith Kam. One thing the pandemic years of 2020 to 2022 have shown us is just how much we ordinary folk have come to rely on logistics service providers to keep us all connected while we remain locked down in our homes. This was a time that courier companies and shipping and delivery firms should have made hay while the COVID sun shone. At least that's what we all assumed. But now that we are able to travel freely again, how have these companies, which had been quick to pivot and ensure they remain sustainable. We have in the studio this morning, Tiong Teik Lian, the CEO of GDEX Berhad, and we are going to find out what the logistics business is like today. Good to have you in the studio in person this time, Teik Lian. Thanks, Keith, for having me this morning. Teik Lian, perhaps uh, you could paint us a picture first. In the introduction, most people would have assumed that logistic firms like GDEX would have made a killing with the increased demand. What did you guys experience? Actually, during the pandemic, yes, there is a huge surge in demands. This is the first time ever in centuries. So what we react is basically to set up a much more scalable systems okay. to able to absorb the surge. So we introduce a lot of different technologies uh, like crowdsourcing, something that is similar to what other companies, platforms like Grab or is using. So we're able to engage part-timers to come in to help us as well so that the deliveries do not get started. When you were on uh, BFM last, uh, that was in April 2021, you said that the existing 240,000 square foot warehouse, uh, I think it's Maple Tree, was at capacity. You were planning to add space. What's that journey like so far? Actually, we add up, I mean, total our fulfillment space now, Mm -hmm. including Maple Tree expansion, and uh, KK and Kuching, now we are actually having about 550,000 square feet. So in terms of the business, because a lot of brand owners, they want us to do the whole end-to-end solution from warehousing to last mile fulfillment. So I think in that sense, that business will continue to expand. But it's also very challenging because why the platforms are getting more and latest also TikTok all these are coming in. So uh, some of these brands may actually scale down. So I think what we see is a normalization after the COVID. So I think for fulfillment space like warehouse, I don't think it will be like the growth uh, during the pandemic years. So are you seeing some sort of overcapacity at this point? Yeah, you see just the news like Astro Go Shop, yeah. they are closing down. So in that sense, we uh, may scale down a little bit of space because our warehouse space, we actually do not own it, we lease it. So yeah. we can scale down quite quickly, actually. But, but then recently you also announced the 25 million ringgit, 145,000 square foot auto hub that can treble sorting capacity to 350,000 shipments daily over the next two years. So my question is, is the demand really still there? And what's going to happen if the demand doesn't come back? Basically, from GTEx view is that you see, during the actually the startups phase, where a lot of foreign companies come in, they're actually getting market share by dumping the price. 
So what we actually experience that we are losing a lot of the bees to see mm. type of customers like Lazada and uh, Shopee and all that. So what we actually start to see is that there's also a lot of the needs for a lot of brand.com mm. wanting to have a more end-to-end type of solution. And that's the reason our fulfillment business is growing. And at the same time, of course, the last mile will also grow for this segment of customers. Now, on the, what they call the, the expansion of the hub, we also foresee that some form of introduction of policy change may came in. Okay. Because, you see, it cannot be sort of, a, for example, the merchants, there are thousands of them who actually like our service are just cut off from these platforms. Because what these platforms do over here, it cannot be accepted, like, for example, in US or Europe, where this is actually anti-competitive practices, you see which they could be fined billions of dollars by doing that. So I think over time, country or this region, it will change a policy that is fair to all. So I, I see that once, let's say, the masking or this would not come, then we will get back a lot of volumes as well. Technically, you allege that there's a lot of anti-competitive behaviour here. What do you expect perhaps the authorities or my CC, my Competition Commission to do? I believe that, you see, also MX have actively uh, MX is the uh, AMEC, the Association of Malaysian, yeah, Express, Association of Malaysian Express, Express Carrier. Yeah. So they are also actively getting more independently to run itself as an association. Mm-hmm. So they are also engaging with the regulator to see actually what is happening over here and uh, in the whole world. And I believe the regulations are actively looking into this and the, it will be fair to all. I think it has to be sustainable. As it is now, you look, the whole industry, nobody is making profits. You see, even Bose and all that are losing yeah. big money. So the industry is very essential, and it cannot be totally unsustainable, let's say. Well, while all this is going on, I mean, how long can GDEX um, tahan? Actually, in terms of the losses, we are there, but you see a lot of our investment, like our tech and all that, we have invested over the years. So our cash flow are still strong. Yeah. If you look at our cash, it's still at about 200-odd million cash, and we don't have borrowings, you see. So I believe that what we are doing is to sustain our main business. Is You see, the logistics is our trunk. Yeah. So over the last three, four years, we also have expanded to those in technologies that help the industry because we leverage on the technology and the technology business that we invest also leverage on our growth as well. So I think with this, the whole business model have become much more sustainable and we become much more competitive as well. This is basically what you told us in April 2021 when you said GDEX wanted to stay assets light and instead invest more into digitalization and technology. What's developed over that time? One of the examples, we have developed a platform called MyGDEX. Yeah. So MyGDEX, the advantage is that consumer or even merchants can log into this system very rapidly. For example, we just started like two, three years ago. Now we have almost 50,000 users mm-hmm. on MyGDEX platform in Malaysia. Two, three months ago, we also looked into how this platform can actually expand overseas. So we expand to Singapore. At the same time, we also expand to Saudi Arabia because we have a partner over there that like our platform and see how we can actually take on the load back to Malaysia. That means the user in Saudi, actually, they can log it in into the platform and it can trace all the way to any countries that we actually move, move the items on. For example, the two months, we actually transport almost 
thirty to fifty tons, you know, mm-hmm. of items from Saudi to Malaysia. Diglin, I want to shift gears a little bit. You announced a GDEX 2.0 transformation initiative. This entails building a complete and tech-based logistics system mm-hmm. that fulfills the increasingly dynamic requirements of your customers. That's basically the branding blurb that you put out. But what is what is it at its core? What is the timeline for this GDEX 2.0? Actually, we are already starting to execute stage. Because uh, you see, like my GDEX, we have been doing like three, four years. And last two months is already in, from Saudi, you know. Mm. So that platform, I think, will be available in Indonesia and uh, Vietnam soon. I think by next year. Because this is a platform you can actually deploy mm. in turn of that in, let's say, two, three months. Let's say compared to, let's say, in GDEX, and we have developed 20 years, we can actually speed it up to actually a few months and then find a partner there to collaborate, you see. So this is a much better concept because it's very, very asset-like yeah. and it complements our core strengths and also the core strengths of the partners that we have. So I think this is the way forward and I believe our expansion to many more countries compared to now, in 20 years, we only have physically present in four countries. So I think using this concept, we can be present in tens of 20 countries in uh, maybe less than five years. Well, what kind of resistance are you seeing from, I suppose, uh, government policies in, in some of these countries that you're operating in? Indonesia, for one, you're quite big, right? And, and I, I read recently that there's been a ban on TikTok e-commerce. You see, Indonesia, somehow the regulators are actually open to investment, but at the same time, they actually uh, would like to protect the domestic companies. Mm. One of the example, let's say we invest in uh, SAP Express, we own 44.5%, but then the local partner there is the controlling shareholders. Okay. So GDEX cannot be in the management. So what we can support the development for the user in Indonesia, we are welcome you know, to put in more investment, but the control part is not allowed. So whereas, let's say for in Malaysia, it's free for all. So that's right. the difference. Yeah. GDEX 2.0 also highlights that you guys want to get into more partnerships and, and M&As. Where are we with that today? Actually, we start with three M&As last year. One in the cybersecurity, we call it Anon. The other one is we actually increase our stake in red bikes, Zilnex. Mm-hmm. So that is becoming our subsidiary as well. Another one is more to the e-commerce SI company, Swigmac. So the reason why we actually invest, because this company, we have been working with them for years. Okay. And uh, it's a very, very key component of our business as well. So what we are investing is actually leveraging investing so that our ecosystem become much stronger. That's part of the GDEX 2.0 strategy because these are all the technologies that will make GDEX much stronger and make us much scalable as well. On the Breakfast Grill this morning, we are talking to Tiong Teik Lian, the CEO of GDEX Berhad, a Bursa-listed delivery services provider. On the other side of the break, we delve into GDEX's financials and find out why they are what they are. BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. We are in the middle of our chat with the CEO of the Bursa-listed delivery services provider, GDEX Berhad Tiong Teik Lian. Teik Lian, just before we went into the break, we were talking about GDEX 2.0. I was wondering, Yamato Holdings and Singpost combined, they make up about 49.4% of your company. What will their contribution be to GDEX's transformation plan? The partnerships from uh, Yamato and Singpost have with us 
because they are a much bigger entity compared to GDX. So by association with them, mm-hmm. we actually have the benefits of getting in touch with a lot of global businesses as well because they will get businesses for this region and then they will pass to us. Okay. Not only in Malaysia, but also Indonesia and Vietnam, Singapore as well. So the advantage of a partnership with this type of company, it will actually make us think very, very global rather than just uh, very domestic. Yeah. What other partnerships are you considering going forward? I mean, like we were saying just before the break as well, you were looking at more partnerships and, and MNEs? There is different type of partnerships. We have uh, global partnerships like, for example, Shopify, uh, BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. These are the type of companies that will make GDEX a go-to partner to any company who want to move their business domestically or the region. So by partnering all these global company, we are able to see what is their strengths and we will then upskill our strengths to match their ability to go to the market, both in the region and globally as well. So I think the advantage of us having Yamato and Simpost, it also strengthen our position when we start to negotiate for this type of partnerships because our ecosystem and the customer base is also getting bigger. So it's easier to get those customers, partners in, if we really want to be serious in this business. Then do you feel like, you know, you are pressed for time to be able to move this forward? Because, you know, if you're slow to execute all these partnerships and MNAs and all this transformation plan, um, those smaller startups which are way more agile than you guys are, they are just going to overtake you. I mean, what are you doing to accelerate that plan? Actually, that is the reason of uh, we have, uh, for example, bringing those strategic partners, like for example, uh, companies that like uh, Sweetmac, uh, Anon, you know, Webbikes, you know, these are smaller companies. They are run by very capable entrepreneurs as well, uh, and then they are able to sort of uh, together with us to actually sort of put forward a better sort of a systems mm-hmm. of expansion with speed, precision, and scalability as well. So I think. As we continue on, we will definitely encounter more strategic partners for us to leverage and for them to leverage on us as well. So I think it's, the journey is getting more exciting. And see, the whole thing about the innovation cycle now is getting shorter and shorter. And uh, we have to realize, even though as GDS become bigger and bigger, we have to actually have the type of speed of a smaller company as well. So we have to realize that if we don't, we will be left behind. We've got two more quarters to your FY 2023. Mm. What have you got planned for these coming quarters? I think the next one, two quarters, uh, we we have this uh, expansion on the automation hub. It just set in. So the next one, two quarter, we actually had to remove the old hubs Mm -hmm. and we had to put in some other investment to repurpose all these things as well. So I think the most important thing is our business are growing. So some of the expenditure that we're going to put in in the next one, two quarter, we may still uh, be not uh, sort of uh, 100% profitability, but I can see next year we will have a better year ahead. I want to get into that towards the end, but I also want to touch on this because you told us uh, last time that you were here more than two years ago that GDEX wants to get into the financial services business, capitalizing on what you are already doing with uh, COD services. How has that panned out? Uh, in fact, financial services also become very, very competitive with the digital banking and all that sort of thing. So I think most important thing, we have to not overestimate our strengths, 
our ability to compete in everywhere. I think we have to stay focused. But one of the thing is that we actually uh, build out a, a platform uh, that is uh, on insurance uh, to actually serve our insurance need because we got hundreds of thousands of customers. Mm-hmm. So that one actually is a uh, very sort of a uh, easy to run because we have a uh, three insurance partner with us now: Alliance. Uh, MSIG and uh, Tokyo Marine. So we hope that we can get a couple more, so that uh, our services on those are more comprehensive as well. The former Bank Negara Malaysia Governor Tan Sri Muhammad Ibrahim is your executive, non-executive chairman. What role do you see him playing with the kind of knowledge that he has in your diversification plan? Actually, yeah, I think uh, some of the diversification plan is actually. Uh, initiated or basically pushed by him as well mm-hmm. because he felt that as a company we cannot think small we have to think big but at the same time being a very practical uh, person I felt that we have to do what we are best at so I think it's a balance of but I think with him uh, he always think that the company should have a very strong cash position so I think that is uh, basically uh, exactly the same as what I am I'm we have to be very prudent to make sure that the cash is still there to run our business. So thinking big, and I know you guys are in Indonesia, Vietnam, Singapore, and you mentioned Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um, you, I remember you talking about expanding into the Philippines and Thailand. Where, where are we with this, these geographic expansion plans? So I'm trying to run, uh, find a partner now. So in the sense that we will just use our platform to go in. So we do not want to actually invest in heavy assets in these countries because uh, one of the important things is that our core sort of uh, direction yeah. is that we have to have the cash in hand. Yeah. Before the break, um, I'm pretty sure we all agree that the market is very, very, very competitive uh, before the pandemic and it just got even more heated during the pandemic and that momentum never really let up. Um, just looking at the last six quarters, you've been recording consecutive losses can you, can you explain what's happening there? Actually, one of the reasons is that because we want to actually remodel the business. But when we remodel the business, for example, when you really build out the hub, there will be expenses. Correct. So just like you want to do a jump ahead, huh, you may have to run back work a bit, you see. So I think that is very, very normal for a company that want to change the model. So I think we are pretty much in control. But your most recent quarterly loss is, I think, the highest, about 11 million ringgit or or so. Are you not concerned? Uh, Not really, because why? If you really look at the losses, right, our cash is still intact. Cash flow is still there. EBITDA is still very positive. So this is the investment for the future as well. So, so, so But while, while all these investments are going on, uh, we should see an improvement in revenues, but we're not seeing that as well. Um, you know, are you doing anything to, to address that? Uh, yeah, I think that you see most of the other competitors as well, their revenues are dropping, let's say 20%, 10%. We are actually didn't drop much. So in fact, I think it's actually showing the positive trend of coming back. So I think that's a very, very good sign okay. compared that uh, to other players as well. You have to really look. Let's say, for example, even like Ninja Van, last year they lost 200 million US. So, comparatively, if we can keep the cash flow positive, I think that is a great thing to do. So, uh, at the same time, we re- re-look at the model. 
to actually make sure that our model is like our tree trunk, you know, make sure that it's healthy, the roots are healthy, and then the green shoots will come again. Oh, yeah. Good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see also margin compressions because you talked about a lot of competition, so everybody has to cut prices. This is basically a race to the, to the bottom. What are you doing to, to address that? You see, we have to be realistic as well. Last time when GDEX was dominant player, uh, the whole market size, it could be only less than a billion dollars. Like today, the market size, it could be a few billion dollars. Mm. So the margins, it cannot be 10, 20% anymore. It will be a single digit. So I think it will become to a point where it will be a single digit. And if you can actually win a lot of business, that will be very good. And that's the reason why we are putting the auto hub in anticipation that we are going to win a lot more business coming in the coming years. If I could just ask you to put on your hat as the president of the Association of Malaysian Express Carriers, um, AMEC, you were advocating for some type of government protection because of foreign startups. If you could just clarify that. You see, for example, uh, uh, if you look at a uh, country like Japan, US, the last mile delivery company actually are there because that is for national security purposes as well. But over here, our government actually are not looking at it that way. So all we actually need is that we have to be realistic in that Malaysia is a sovereign country as well. So I think the regulator may have to really look at some of these points as well. But I think over, over time, because the e-commerce is actually quite new, yeah. we have to give them some time to actually understand and put all these things in perspective, you see. And I believe that they will do it, you see. Yeah. How, how is GDEX dealing with rising costs, the weak ringgit, high oil prices? Because when you were here in 2021, oil prices were $60 per barrel. Today, yeah. it's about 80 90 Yeah. Actually, a uh, good question. We are actually doing uh, sort of a re-streamline on our business. Uh, it's going to take off uh, this year, 1st November, because uh, we have to accept the fact that the what they call the cost structure is cannot cannot be continuing like that anymore. So I think the streamlining will come in and uh, our people are being briefed and uh, more stringent KPIs will be put in. So that is how, how the, the company will be run. Yeah. You set aside a capex of 30 million ringgit for 2022. Uh, that is significantly higher than your normal one, which is about 15, 15 20 million. Mm. Uh, how do you see 2024 panning out? I think definitely it will come down because uh, the major one is the auto hub. And our other country expansion, it will be based on digital platforms, which will be the money already spent. Mm -hmm. We spent tens of millions on those over the last 10 years. So right now, I think it's uh, how to improvise and maybe start to look at how to get back some returns as well. Yeah. Finally, you said uh, before the break as well that GDX will turn profitable next year. Maybe share with us where you think the profit contributions will, will come from? I think the most important thing is our own logistic part. We have to be uh, either break even or make money first. And then on those, uh, what do you call the investments that we brought in, there will be a lot more synergy and uh, leverage uh, on each other. That part of, of the the advantage, it will add to our businesses across the board. It will also help our sort of assisting uh, a business to able to get in more business as well. So I think all in all, when the sort of GDEC 2.0 actually start to work, it will be beneficial to all our companies in the group 
as a whole to run as a very uh, sort of a sustainable business. Take then, thank you very much for coming in and sharing your insights and plans for GDEX Berhad, and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. On the breakfast grill this morning was the CEO of the Bursa-listed delivery services provider GDEX Berhad, Tiong Teik Lian. I'm Keith Kam for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.